is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London is Blue, Blue podcast. podcast. All right, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. I am Nick, of course, joined by uh, my venerable co hosts, Abdullah and Jesse. Uh, but we have a special guest joining the show today that I'm really excited to break down the Aston Villa match review with, Jesse, and that is Sophie Lawson. Take it away. Yeah, Sophie, I'm sure, is well known to, to lots of listeners, but for anyone who doesn't know, um, she's a real encyclopedia, I'm going to say, of women's football. Someone who who told me that uh, she'd probably watch uh, 10 games before between the Chelsea game and coming on this podcast today. So, um, yeah, really excited to have someone who, who kind of knows everything there is to know. Uh, it ended up being eight games, actually, which is a little disappointing. Um, yeah, uh, I'm, Sophie, I watch a lot of football. Uh, pretty much it, really. Well, the encyclopedic knowledge will will come in handy as we discuss Chelsea's away win over Villa and what was a uh, look. It, w- it was not the most exciting match we've ever seen. So, uh, you know, we're going to talk about uh, Chelsea's attack against low blocks, how much rotation is affecting the team's performance, and then Jesse Fleming. Uh, how and where will Emma Hayes use her uh, over the next bit of, of matches here? But of course, we have to get into a three-word match review uh, because that is that is what we do here. Uh, a handful here. It was it was tough sledding for these, so I appreciate everyone who contributed. Uh, Chelsea Women's Supporters Group with Got the Win, Dylan Piccolo with Business as Usual, Preston Adams, Win, comma, Get Out. Thank you. That is accurate. Uh, History Beckons with We Missed Harder, and then uh, Tomsinho with Marin for Millie, uh, which is an interesting uh, tactical thing that we might talk about later on. Uh, Abdullah, I'm going to head over to you for your three-word match review. Go for it. Yeah, so I think I came up with mine literally about three and a half seconds ago, which was <laughs> smash and grab. <laughs> I couldn't think of one until now because everything was too long, but I think smash and grab just because it was just one of those performances where they just went in, they got a goal, they kind of stole it just based on the overall game, and then they just left and they got out. So that'd be my three-word match review. That's the way it goes sometimes. What about you, Jesse? I'm going to go with Jesse G. Juicy. Because Ooh. that was the goal, uh, and it's alliterative. I always feel like my three-word match reviews have to be alliterative for some, some reason, and I've uh, spent myself thinking for ages, like for alliteration thing. And I'm like, you can use other letters in this, but um, Jesse G is juicy. That's what I'm going with. Uh, I am going with a more competitive SAW FAWSL question mark. Uh, I am Ron Burgundy. Um, <laughs> I, I am, you know, it's not it's not been uh, the the easy run that Chelsea are used to over the last handful of seasons here. So I'm curious to hear if if so- Sophie agrees with me. Uh, Sophie, what is your three word match review for this match? Uh, not that comfortable. Mm, not not nearly as comfortable as we might have been anticipating. So uh, with that, we are going to get into it. Of course, we're talking about uh, the Aston Villa match review. We're away at the Trevor Brown Memorial Ground. Uh, the score, of course, uh, Aston Villa nil, Chelsea won with a goal from Jesse Fleming in the 22nd minute. Uh, I'm going to pass it over to Jesse for the lineup, though. Yeah, we had um, a bit of all change, all change this week. So we kept with the AKB in goal um, and that back three that we saw in the City game as well, the City F Cup game of Magda, Nowen and Bright. Um, but then we saw the the rarely seen nowadays, uh, John Anderson playing on the left and Neve Charles on the right with Gian Ingle as the double pivot. And then Jesse Fleming, Beth England and Aaron Cuthbert 
as the front three. Um, had a couple of changes quite early on in the game. Um, Anik now came off at halftime for Jess Carter. Uh, Kirby and Kerr made entrances kind of with 20 minutes to go and Melly Lupotz came on to kind of shore, shore up the match. Uh, and the stat, the stat line here is uh, very heavy in Chelsea's favor, but if you watch the match, you, you might not come away thinking it was, it was this comfortable as, as Sophie just referenced. Uh, Chelsea women with 75.3% possession, just round that up to 76 if you want. Uh, 16 total shots, five on target to uh, three total shots and zero on target for, for Villa. Uh, five of those shots were blocked. Uh, passing percentage is a whopping 85% to Villa's 49%. Uh, look, clear-cut chances two corners three to five. You know, it, it was it was a pretty dominant statistical day, Abdullah. But uh, you know, again, I'm I'm looking at these things, and and I don't think you would have taken that away if you watched uh, just for the eye test purely. Yeah, no, you're right. If I had just seen these stats without watching the game, I'd have thought that Chelsea were dominating that game, and they and 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 you know Villa might have gotten away with a you know one nil easy. But if you you know the stats tell half the story, and um, you know it's clearly that you know Villa just had a better time than than what's oh, there was one show, and I think obviously we'll get into it soon. But I think that rotation isn't really working out. Um, you know, just Chelsea couldn't string together. Uh, a very fluid and seamless performance, which I think is 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 quite a concern moving forward. Considering there's going to be the need for rotation more mm-hmm. heavily in the next few months than it is now, and the fact that this, you know, I would even say the second second string team is not able to to to, to beat a Villa, uh, whether it's home or away, comfortably is a major concern. Right, and and that kind of shows up in the XG here. Again, if you look at the stats, Chelsea win this thing comfortably with a 1.78 XG to Villa's point zero or to Villa's point one. Sorry, uh, but that does lead into Jesse's stat of the week, patented, trademarked, whatever you want to call it. Jesse, take it away. Yeah, so um, kind of looking at that expected goals for, for something that I thought was kind of interesting. Um, according to Opta, who we, t- who we took the XG from, this stat isn't actually true if you look at a different XG provider. But we're going to ignore that because I wrote it before I looked at different expected goals providers. Um, but only Arsenal have restricted Chelsea to a lower expected goals than Villa Villa did on Saturday. Although Villa also created less than any other side have managed against Chelsea this season. Mm. Um, and then just one like final little bit to kind of round that off. No side has had less shots than Villa did in in any game in the WSL this season than Villa did against Chelsea yesterday. So, so not not a great offensive performance from them uh, <laughs> per se, but uh, but they did settle in defensively and, and did a decent job. So uh, look, uh, the, the overwhelming theme here is that this was uh, ninety minutes of our lives that we'll never get back. Unfortunately, it was uh, it was dull, it was turgid, the weather was not great. Uh, this was. Uh, certainly not Chelsea at Chelsea's best uh, for the season. And Emma Hayes kind of called this out here, Abdullah, by saying the the performance was a 6 out of 10, no more than that, no outstanding performer. (laughs) But when you compete, you have to learn to do these things, and you can't expect that every week is going to be 2-3 and 4-0 win. So, uh, you know, thinking about that, comparing it to the Leicester game earlier, uh, you know, were, were Chelsea fortunate to come out of this with a win or, or was it just one of those days? I think I think it was just one of those days. I mean, I don't think Villa threatened that much that, that Chelsea were ever in a real situation where they were going to completely lose the game. Right. I don't I don't think it was that. I just think it was 
Chelsea just one of those days where they just didn't perform at you know seventy eighty percent capacity. It, it felt like a sixty percent performance. That's what she said, six out of ten. And yes, they got the one goal, and and I think that one goal came from a moment of like creativity, ingenuity, the pass over the top to Jesse Fleming's run. Everything just worked right, and I think the game lacked moments, more moments like that. It just felt very. Um, a very like all right they just kept trying the same things and 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 it just it just didn't come off and you know i think the, the lack of playing time from some players came into play just the fluidity wasn't there in the final third and you know we'll talk about this later but you know when when, when Kern kirby came on we instantly saw a couple of more chances get created than you know almost literally within 30 seconds of their arrival so you know it was just one of those days but you know i know she says you can't expect this every week but i think if you're if you want to instill confidence in the team and you and you want your squad to be playing well, you're going to need to win at least comfortably. I don't mind a one nil victory, but make it comfort make it a comfortable one nil victory, not a uncomfortable like or we just we feel like we've just about scraped this in comparison to the opposition. So yeah, that probably be my take. Sophie, I'm gonna pass it to you because you you came up with the not that comfortable three word match review, right? And you know again, stats tell us half the story here, but what do you think made it uncomfortable for Chelsea? Lack of creativity. Um, I I know you want to sort of talk more about rotation, so I don't want to go too much into that. But it, it kind of sometimes feels like there are two Chelsea's. Um, there's the one that has Kerr and Kirby on the pitch um, that is really exciting and everything just kind of works. And they just sort of immediately lift the squad. Um, and then there's the team that doesn't have them. Um, and you kind of get individual performances, you get good moments from the odd player, you know, G or a Cuthbert or a Fleming trying to do things, but you don't have the same sort of dynamic look to it um, that you do as you, you know, you've got so one of the best attacking partnerships in the world in current Kirby. So when you say them off the pitch, yeah, you're not going to be as good. Um, but it, it all felt a little sort of flat yesterday. Um you know, Villa defended uh, well, uh, save for, for the goal when there was a slight switch off from, I think it was Asante and, and Dow combining there. Um, but it, yeah, um, it was all, all all a bit flat and a bit um, uninspired and you expect more from Chelsea. And I know, you know, Hayes says that you can't go out and, and win every game by, by a cricket score, but you kind of start to expect it with the type of players Chelsea have, um, regardless of, the, of their opposition. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass to Jesse here because the, the prompt is, do Chelsea have a problem dealing with low block teams? And, uh, and, and look, I mean, there have been a couple of examples this year where we have absolutely blown the doors off of teams who have tried to play more defensively. And then there are a couple that, you know, are, are kind of outliers to that. So I guess give me your, give me your thoughts, Jesse, on, on how Chelsea have – you know, attack these teams and, and what might have went wrong yesterday. Yeah, I think it's it's just interesting. It, it did just feel a lot like the Leicester game, but obviously there is kind of the caveat that both the Leicester game and this game, Chelsea started with without Kerr, Kirby and Harder. Now, there aren't many teams in the WSL, I think, who would take out their, their top three attackers who are also at the level those three players are and are going to feel like comfortable in those games anyway. So I do think that's important to bear in mind. But that being said, I actually wondered whether, you know, someone who I felt really 
was missing yesterday was Guru Wrighton. Because to me, it just felt like we were playing so centrally for large periods of the game that it was really easy for Aston Villa just to be um, really like defensively tight and easy, but we weren't really doing much to to move them around. It felt like there was there were spaces on the left and right if you were looking to switch quickly, but it just felt like everything needed to go through the middle. Um, and now I know that like, you know, technically, if you look like statistically, you're a lot more likely to score if you go through the middle. But if you're playing against a team who are in that low block and you're struggling to get there, you kind of want to see some like different ideas, even to make them think that you're going to do something different. And that kind of felt like the problem because, okay, the goal is like a really great, clever moment from G doing something a little bit different. Um, And then the other two good chances where we hit the post twice that they come from shots on the edge of the area. Um, so it just felt like there wasn't much attempt to move Villa around. Hayes kind of referenced that, you know, this is how you should play in a low block. You need to move the defenders out of position. But I don't think Chelsea did much to try and move anyone out of position. They just kind of carried on playing through the middle and then being like, oh, wait, we've hit this block of back five here. Um, so I just think it's like that's just a bit of a frustrating thing to see when you know as much as I said obviously we should bear in mind that Kirk Kirby and Hard are all missing these are still players who, who you like to think um really want to fight to show that they deserve a place in the team I mean maybe players like Jonna Anderson now just feels like she's so far out of it she doesn't feel like she can have that impact or whatever but you know someone like Beth England you I just feel like you kind of just want to see a bit something a bit more inventive going on there Sophie, you're smirking there. Do you do you agree with Jesse's take, or is there something else that you're kind of looking at? Oh, I mean, I think like I I mean, I think it, it, you know you want to play right and whenever you can, because um, you know she she's great and she's she offers up something different. But I'm sort of just thinking about the type of players you'd expect to see popping up between the lines or playing off the shoulder in if you're facing a low block most of this thinking harder is, is particularly good at popping up between the lines maybe Kirby as well so yes you can't play harder but maybe you should introduce Fran a little earlier as well but yeah I, I see a lot of teams play centrally um I feel like I've seen a lot of teams play centrally this weekend um and it's frustrating because you've always got space out wide and you're just clogging up the middle um but uh yeah so when Villa attacked they were trying to keep a layman out on, on one of the flanks to try and get her in behind and just, you know, um, it wouldn't have been a bad idea for Chelsea to try more often. But. Uh, one player I want to talk about, Abdullah, is, is Aaron Cuthbert, who, you know, did have an interesting uh, role coming in from the left uh, compared to where we where we saw her uh, play uh, typically on the, on the right-hand side. So what were your thoughts on that and just the way that her and Anderson might have uh, combined a little bit or, or didn't? I think I think Cuthbert played well. I think of the of the players that you know were, were in the attack that were actually ma- doing things. I think I think Cuthbert showed a lot of endeavor. I think she a lot of a lot of energy uh, to some extent. Um, I almost felt like she was doing a lot of work, and just the team around her wasn't on the same sort of energy level. So when she was trying to make a run, or she's trying to make a pass, or or take the ball forward. Like the rest of the team almost like labored a step behind. Like I remember a, a move on the left hand side where she's she's got the ball facing the fullback and she's waiting for either Anderson to make an overlapping run or somebody to make an underlapping run. But then that that move came too late. Villa got into position and she couldn't make the pass and she had to go for a long cross and then obviously they get blocked out. So I felt like she's I think I think she kept 
to an extent kept up her level coming in off the left and um i think it's clear to see that she's very comfortable in the in the attacking third whether it's you know as one of the number 10s uh mainly as you know one of the two number 10s or wide players um but I, and i think anderson for me just uh, and jesse mentioned it anderson for me wasn't uh, when brighton plays you can see there is there is an energy there is there's there's a quickness about her when she gets the ball when she's off the ball she's making quicker runs she's she's taking on plays and she's getting past them for me anderson felt like every time the ball was played into her she would square up against the defender but then she would opt to come inside every time and try and pass it in and it was too slow it was too stop start stop start not enough taking on the defender now uh, now yes i think she has decent pace i mean she's not right in level fast but she are decently quick but I, I still felt like there just wasn't that urgency of trying to get the ball past the defender. It's almost like, all right, defender, I'm going to let you square up to me, take your time to come up. And I think that kind of labored the whole left-hand side synergy that the team has had over the last few weeks. And and to to the extent where I think you kind of have to play right and at almost every opportunity, because if you want any sort of urgency coming in off the left-hand side, then fine. Equally on the other side... If you're lacking that on the left with Anderson, I feel like then Neve Charles on the other side needs to be taking up that role of being the attacker and the enforcer coming in off the right. Um, which I think I think she had a decent game. She had, a, she had a few good moments. But I think, again, the lack of playing time for Neve Charles as well was telling. And I think if if this was last season's Neve Charles, who's played like six, seven, eight, nine, ten games in a row, I think I think we see that performance out of her on the right side instead of the left. And then, you know, Anderson can play a little bit more of a conservative role. But so I think... Just, just those those sort of caveats, I think, played a part. But I think Erin, in herself, I think she had a pretty decent performance in comparison to everyone else. Yeah, well, one thing before we get to an ad break and talk a little bit more about the, the tactical setup. Uh, worth noting here, Jesse, that uh, goal difference could come into play and uh, you know, not taking care of business uh, against perceived weaker opposition in the FAWSL can come back and bite you in the butt. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but ultimately... Chelsea can kind of assume that at the rate Arsenal playing to kind of really get back into this, if you think it's going to happen, doesn't really feel like Arsenal dropping points elsewhere. Chelsea are going to have to beat Arsenal and then that will put them on level points. But the problem is, is if Arsenal have like racked up a massive goal difference, then that's like worth nothing. And I think, you know, that's why you do want to try and, and get these these scores up. And it's interesting because Arsenal played Villa a couple of weeks ago and they really struggled to score against them. But once they started scoring, they basically got a flurry of like three goals in the last 10 minutes and they, they won 4-0. Um, and, you know, lots of those goals were like amazing. Like there's the ridiculous, like Katie McCabe lob and all of that kind of stuff. But yeah, Arsenal currently have 17 goal difference with the game in hand. This is before they play West Ham, um, which is four ahead of Chelsea. So I just think it, it's something that as much as Hayes can say you can't win every game three or four nil as much as we can say well the important thing is we won that is like true you also do want to make sure like you can take your chances and and score lots of goals when those opportunities are there absolutely uh we're gonna hit a quick ad break uh thanks again to these sponsors for for supporting the show and we will be right back uh, a couple of reminders coming back in that we cover the team every week we're here every monday or tuesday depending on on the rotation of the shows so please join us uh, every week. We, we'd appreciate that. Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Give shout-outs to Abdullah. Give uh, shout-outs to Jesse. Give shout-outs to Sophie if you want um, and on the show. And, and we really appreciate that. It helps us get uh, a little bit more visibility 
for for the uh, for the women's podcast we're doing here. And then again, if you're looking for that deeper level of connection, uh, our Patreon community on Discord is absolutely wonderful, and they were up yesterday with me at 7:30 in the morning watching the game. So really appreciate everyone in that in that bubble. Um, all right, so we got. I mean, we're, we're kind of referenced a little bit of the rotation before Jesse, but you know, let's let's really dive into it because it was a pretty uh, fully changed squad minus, you know, your, your Sophie Ingles of the world and, and, you know, all that. So just maybe break it down as to, you know, who might've played well, who didn't really take their chance. And I guess I'd pose a, a question to you before that, you know, it, are we talking a little bit chicken and the egg here, right? Because, you know, we're working on this formation because we're, uh, we know that we have kind of a, a first, you know, kind of starting 11 and, and some players who are rotational, does their lack of game time mean that when they get into the game that they're not kind of in the right position to have the best performance or, or should they go in and just take their chances straight away and ignore the fact that, you know, Neve Charles hasn't played very much over the last six weeks. I mean, it, it's kind of tough, right? Yeah, definitely. And I think you could kind of see that in the game that the players who came in who maybe haven't been playing as much across the season, you know, Jesse Fleming, Anik Nguyen, but had picked up like considerable minutes here and there in like recent games, I felt like they came into the game and like looked good. They looked like on it. Whereas players who maybe we haven't seen as much recently, Jonathan Anderson, Neve Charles, they were the ones who it felt like they really weren't on form in the, in the same way. Um, so I do think it is the problem when, when those players aren't getting game time at all. And, you know, again, also, Nguyen and Fleming went on international breaks and played minutes for their country. Whereas again, Charles and Anderson are both players who go away, but don't necessarily get international minutes either. So you kind of get this like circular problem when they're not playing at club, therefore they're not really picked at country, um, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas someone like Jessie Fleming, even if she doesn't play at club, is going to start like every game for Canada because they're obsessed with her, but rightly so. Um so yeah, I think that's that's a bit of the problem there. But you still you still just sometimes want to see like a player come in and 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 really grab their their chance. And yeah, I think one player I feel sorry for to to that extent is Beth England because I think it's very hard when she comes in and is then playing in a very disjointed team to then create opportunities or like get onto opportunities that aren't being created, and it can come away where it feels like she's not had a great 70 minutes or so when in reality she can kind of be like trying to do like good things. Like I thought she was like decent at holding the ball up again in this method of just playing impossibly centrally all the time, which was just what was kind of asked, like what the other players were asking her to do. But I don't really know what else, like how much else she can do in that situation if you're not getting good balls into the box, crosses into the box, that kind of stuff there. So I think that's a shame for her. But yeah, players like Anderson and Charles, I'd have really liked to see more from. Uh, Abdullah, do you agree with that analysis? I mean, she, Beth England's obviously a different type of a profile forward than Kerr and Kirby and, and Harder even are. Uh, is is it the style of play? Is it the service? Is it her own rustiness? Like, what, what's your what's your take on that? I think you've I think you hit the nail on the head. I think it's a mixture of all of those things. I think. Um, I, I think I put this on. I was talking to somebody. I put it on Twitter yesterday during the game, and I feel like Beth England looked best when we, when when Chelsea were playing the four four two last season, the season before, um, and obviously came second highest goal scorer and, and and all that stuff. 
Um, and I feel like the system maybe doesn't exactly cater to her strengths. Um, but at the same time, I think um, she Beth England keeps coming into teams that are changed. I mean, for the most part, I don't think we've seen her in like, the best possible starting 11 behind her and then just kind of coming replacing maybe just a Sam Kerr or just a Fran Kirby. So I think that doesn't help the, the fact that we haven't maybe not seen the best of her. But I, and, I, and at the end of the day, I think she's one of those players that needs a run of games. Like, oh, I think we, I know we say this a lot about so many players, but it's it that momentum becomes such an important factor in how team and players can adapt. It's like it's very rare you're going to get a player who's going to come in, can play a game well for 70, 80 minutes, come off, not play for three games, and then come back and do that again. It's it's difficult. You may get it in the one-off time. But, um, but, but yesterday, I mean, there were so many times where I felt like Beth England was dropping off just, you know, to try and get the ball into feet, trying to get service, you know, and then kind of have to pass it on, link plan and run back into the into the box. Obviously, it doesn't help when Villa are playing five at the back. She's just going to get overcrowded. There's going to be three centre-backs versus one one uh, one striker. So I think, I think yesterday was probably unlucky. Five, five different, you know, five defensive, uh, five man defence. Um, not really the strongest team in the world, so um, yeah, I think it's all of that. But you know, I think I think if she were to play in a in a full strength side and maybe get a you know get a couple of running games, I think I think she could still uh, you know pr- provide for the team. Sophie, do you have a theory on on Beth England or or her you know kind of how she fits into this into this group? I feel like honesty is probably a bit of a dodgy one here for for Chelsea fans. Um, I think she should have left Chelsea um, over the summer. I think uh, she's she's a fantastic uh, striker and she needs to be starting. She's good enough to start for for for, for a top tier team. Um and she isn't starting for Chelsea. Um yeah, um so I, I, I thought that and I know that for loads of reasons, um and the Hayes wanted to keep her around. Um and obviously, you know, in, England is, is, is comfortable at Chelsea, is happy at Chelsea um, and is happy to help however she can. Um, but just as, you know, maybe someone who looks a little bit more in, in individuals, I thought it would have been um, more interesting to see her go elsewhere. Uh, also, just, I think it would have been better for her England career as well. Um, but that's, that's a whole other thing. But yeah, I think pretty much everything uh, Abdullah said really come, just encompasses it. Coming back to you with a quick question because, you know, I, I'm I'm always curious uh, whether it's, uh, you know, Emma Hayes squad or, or Tuchel squad because we are a Chelsea-focused podcast and that's how I think all the time. Uh, what is the best way to rotate players, right? Is it, in a, is it in a situation like yesterday where you have a lot of new faces kind of playing together and trying to gel together and getting significant minutes together? Or is it kind of one by one integrating them into a stronger team and giving key players rest uh, in, in different ways? So I, I guess I would pass that back to you, Sophie. Uh, the latter. Um, just, yeah, it, it wholesale, wholesale changes um, tend not to work because everyone's all a bit rusty and, you know, it, it, it it just it brings the whole level down. Whereas if you're just sort of switching out and you're resting key players, but you're still finding ways to integrate other players and bringing them on later in the game and doing this that, and the other, it, it you can keep continuity. Um, whereas if you're trying to change everything, even if it's this is our first eleven, this is our second eleven, can we change them out? It's still it's it's still it fragments itself. 
Um, well, at least that's how I see it, but I'm not a football manager, so what do I know? Absolutely. Uh, Jesse, do you agree with that, or are you kind of taking the just give everyone a chance to go together and make it work? No. Oh, yeah, I think the kind of individual in and out. I can see... I do feel like Hayes has almost started to create like a shadow team. I think that's what she wants to be doing. That's what it feels like. We've seen this block of changes be made before. Um, But that being said, I also just find it intriguing that she chose this game to make that block of changes because Chelsea don't have like a crazy run of fixtures like I know they we've got City next week um and w- obviously we can and should take that game very seriously but we also beat them 3-0 last week um and then that's um we've got Savet either side of that again like it's an important game we have to win but you would expect us to go in and win um and then we've got Birmingham and then it's an international break. So as a run of fixtures, the the this feeling of like really needing to like rotate this team was a bit strange to me just anyway as a concept. Um, obviously, Hayes like knows and is looking at her players and, and will have a much better understanding than me of what's actually going on. As we know, she loves to make everything mysterious about who's fit, who, who's not fit, what's going on. But, you know, Kerr and Kirby were clearly fit. They, they could come on for 20 minutes. Um, so yeah, I, I, that's why I think she does want this like shadow second team, but then you're like, but for why? Because in all your important games, you're going to play your first team. So all that does is then make those players feel like they are really are a second, second string rather than a rotation option or players you select, you know, for the right kind of tactical moments. So yeah, I, I, I'm not really a, a fan of it, to be honest. Well, I, I think one area that we could look at was, was just kind of how the, yeah, you know, we talked about the wings a little bit, but maybe those three center backs, Abdullah, and you know, obviously uh, Newman came off at, at half, which is unfortunate um, because it was like you know the intentional rotation didn't necessarily uh, happen there. But um, can you maybe talk about how the the back three looked with her, and then maybe with Jess Carter because you got two forty five minute periods to assess both. Yeah, no. Um, so obviously, this was the same thing that started the the, the last game, um, and I and I felt like a lot of people, me included, think that this should be the starting back three. I really like Anik Nauer and as the as the central centre back with the Eriksson and, and and Bright flanking them. To me, I feel like it, it really frees up the two wider centre backs to to take that extra step up and and really be able to play a bit more of their natural game, which is ball playing and passing from the back and. You know, we've talked a lot about, and Jesse's been a huge advocate for this, of Magda being able to get into a position to be able to play her passes from a bit more of a central position. But even if she's playing out on the, on the left side, the, the ability for her to be able to step up and maybe come inside or maybe step out wide and be able to play those passes, I think now allows that to happen. And obviously in the first half, she wasn't really tested much defensively, but I felt like whenever a ball did come over the top and she had to sweep up, I felt like she was aware she was she was there. So for me, I, I liked it. And obviously we didn't know why she was coming off at halftime because she looked comfortable. There was nothing really obviously wrong. And obviously now we know it was a it was a tight adapter, but um, it was good. And I think when, when Jess Carter came on, um, I think it was just more of the same just because, you know, Villa didn't really threaten too much. Like we said, three shots is not really much to go off of. So I think, again, she had a, 
uh, a relatively you know okay good game just I mean decent game just because of the way the, the game went not much to do defensively because um, the, these games aren't going to really test Chelsea defensively you're not really going to find out how good they are defensively it's going to be more about the it's building the chemistry between the three and the five it's it's getting the you know just getting the kinks out of the way just you know get the passes out properly get everybody used to playing with each other minutes on the pitch and um, I mean, obviously, I feel like if if now wasn't wasn't injured, I think she'd play the full ninety minutes and she'd need it. Um, but yeah, I mean, Carter did all right as well. Not not too bad. Kind of did her job and and came off. I mean, I think I felt like Magda Eriksson was way more involved in the first half in the build up play and attacking play than she was in the second half. And I think that's because she felt more confident having now and in the centre than Jess Carter in the centre. And I know Jessica Carter didn't have much to do, but every time Alicia Lehman ran at her, I did feel like I was ready to do a little sick in my mouth. <laughs> so that was that that is obviously from past experience rather than maybe a judgment on how she actually dealt with those moments. But yeah. That, that's how I felt in the second half. <laughs> I guess it comes down to that trust factor we've talked about before, right? It's about, like, do Magda and Bright trust their third centre-back partner? In the case of Nawa, it looks like they already do. They see that she's competent on the ball and her ability to, to anticipate. With Jess Carter, obviously, they've had the experience, so so they're not. So, yeah, not just because of her defensibility, but like Jesse said, it's it's about you know allowing them the freedom to step forward and kind of do what they want to do in their natural natural game yeah one, one question that i think emma was trying to to get across um a little early was just the, the question of um probably her her match load right uh anique now in any way uh it was more precautionary that we brought her off than anything else but she has a huge future you can tell or you can see that already a wonderful player a wonderful talent you just need to make sure we give her the right exposures without overloading her. Is this uh, something uh, that sticks out to you, Sophie, is maybe just not not giving her too much too soon? Yeah, I mean, she's still quite a young player despite um, her caps and, and, you know, sort of her growing role for, for the Netherlands. But um, that's, I think, you can go over sort of what Emma Hayes has, has said and done over her, her Chelsea tenure. She's always more kind of bigger picture, long-term plans with, with younger players, especially, um, and just trying to make sure that, uh, the, you know, it's not just, um, you know, the physical loading, but it's the mental strain as well. Um, so yeah, she, she's been pretty consistent with that. Um, and, and yeah, and it's, and it's going to take time to, to, to grow those partnerships, but, uh, you know, I think bit by bit that's that's growing and, and you'll start to see now and get more minutes in, in, in time. Like maybe next season you'll have more of a, a defined starting three. Okay. Uh, now a question that I think we have tried to answer all season and we're trying to still answer. How does Emma Hayes want to use Jesse Fleming long-term? Uh, Jesse Fleming is a, uh, a favorite on this podcast and is a favorite amongst a lot of Chelsea fans. Uh, we've talked about her in a central role. We've talked about her up top. Um, you know, Sophie, I'll come back to you. Uh, you, you just watching Jesse Fleming, knowing her talent, knowing her skill set, what is her best role? And is that in the current formation that Emma Hayes has chosen to go with? God only knows. Um, she's, I feel like every coach she's had in her career um, has played her differently at one point or another. I, um, even if you just look at her at UCLA, like her first season when she was a rookie, she scored a hell of a bunch of goals. And then her last season, she was used more 
in the defensive hole. So, like, you know that she can kind of play everywhere in the midfield and she's quite comfortable. Um, it's then how that works with, with Chelsea. Um, because you've got all these players who can now play different roles, like how Cuthbert has changed her game, how Hard has changed her game. And then, you so you've got all these players who can play in different roles and you've got to work out where to... It's not just a problem with Fleming at all. I can put her here, I can put her here, here, here. And it almost feels like, you know, a, a, a non-standard jigsaw puzzle. And there's more than one solution. Um, and I think it, it's going to depend on who your opposition is as well, uh, uh, what you ask of players um, and, and who she's she's playing with. But I, I don't know. Um, she, she can play in quite a few positions. Um, I, and, you know, and, and, and to varying different degrees uh, throughout her, her Chelsea career, she's popped up and done different things. So, I, yeah, I had no idea. No idea. Um, let's, let's talk a little bit about yesterday though, Abdullah, because, you know, she's obviously features more, um, an attacking role because of, of the G Ingle midfield. Uh, what were your thoughts about how she looked yesterday and, and, you know, obviously she gets the winner. So, you know, all's well and good in, in Fleming land, but, um, you know, maybe talk about how she, how she, uh, was facilitating in that role. Uh, yeah, no. So I think I think uh, I, I enjoyed her performance yesterday. I think she she played definitely played a little bit more of a, an advanced role. I mean, there were times where she was even further than Bethany England, almost as like the, the striker coming in off the right hand side. And obviously, that's kind of how the goal came. She made this late run into the box, got onto the end of a, a long pass, and 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 kind of um, you know and put it away. Um, you know, there, there were it was it was a weird midfield setup because there were times, that, at least in the first half, that I I, I noticed that. G was playing as the deepest line playmaker, and you had almost Ingle and Fleming playing almost as second and third strikers right next to England. And then you had Cusper and, you know, uh, Anderson and Charles all kind of playing up there. So it was really, they were trying to, almost felt like they were trying to match um, Villa's defenders man for man, you know, and and kind of keep them on their toes. Um, But I felt Fleming's, intelligence off the ball I think was was standout. I, I like some of her runs. I like the way she used the space around her. She almost used her her kind of size and agility to her advantage to be able to slip through defenders, kind of go past. Um, but this I think this advanced role as almost like a number 10 suits her in, in some games. But, but what I think I like about her the most is you could play her as an 8, you could play her as a 10, depending on the type of matchup and the game that you have. And I feel like she'll give you equally good performances um, based on based on the game game state and based on the opposition that you have in front of you. So if you need someone to be, you need her to be a bit more of a, a playmaker from, from an eight position and maybe coming in late, yes, you can do that. You want a player as more aggressive number 10, making you know almost like a second striker type player, yeah, you can do that. Um, but yeah, no, I think yesterday's game playing as this advanced forward behind, behind England, almost in front of England at times, I think worked well. And Maybe maybe that maybe maybe that's where England's contribution. If I just go back to it for a quick second, maybe that's where England's contribution came from. Maybe her role was you just occupy center backs. I don't like it doesn't matter what you do in front of goal. You just give the space for Fleming to run in, and and, and maybe that was the game plan from Emma Hayes. Says okay, England, I want you to be there and just be that sort of player. Let uh, Fleming make all those late runs. So that's my two cents. Jesse, are you? I think we know your preference is to play her in the midfield, right? So uh, given that she 
had the more advanced role yesterday. Do you see that that is an option in like these, like let's rotate either Kirk or or harder and put Fleming up there and, and see what works. Or is, would you rather just have her in the, in the midfield rotation? Yeah, it is really tricky just because she's very good at doing a lot of different things. Um, I don't like hate her playing in, in a more advanced role. I mean, like I thought she took her goal really well yesterday as well. Like I don't think that was an easy finish at all. Um, and she is like a really creative, hardworking player who who will give you you know so much effort wherever wherever she plays. Um, so it, it's really tricky. I think I just think the reality is is if Emma Hayes wants to solely play an advanced role, it's not obvious to me how much game how she's going to give her the kind of game time that I think she needs and deserves, especially. I mean, obviously, there's a bit of a question mark, but like with Lauren James also starting to need to get minutes, um, suddenly you've got across that kind of front three, Kerr, Kirby, Harder, Aaron Cuthbert, who we've all agreed has been really good this season, Lauren James, who at some point does need to play for Chelsea, and then Jesse Fleming. So I think that's why, for me, the midfield thing still makes more sense. But, you know, as I think we've, we've touched on before, it's still not super clear what the best midfield partnership is. And, you know, Hayes obviously really likes um, Melanie Lupoltz. And I think she is the logical profile that you would choose to drop in order to play Fleming. I don't think Fleming quite has yet maybe the levels of creativity that you get from a player like Ji Soyeon. Um, and you also don't want her just to sit like you get from a player like Sophie Ingle. So, it's just the classic problem. There's loads of really good players in this team and it is figuring out which ones work best. But, you know, I think it is clear that obviously Hayes sees Fleming more and more as a serious option in, in different games. And I think it will just be about Hayes trying to think what works best in, in what situations. A bit like Sophie said, depending depending on who your opponents are. And, you know, when we're talking about why does Hayes make all these changes? Maybe to kind of answer my own question from earlier on, maybe this is the point. If you are looking ahead at games coming up where you think, well, maybe I want to see a player in this position, that's why you, you try it out in a game where it doesn't necessarily seem on the face of it like that's what you should or or could do. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's, it's a big mystery. And, you know, I think Sophie's right when she touches on ha just how many versatile players that are in this Chelsea squad which is great in some ways but like a bit of a nightmare when you're looking at a team thinking like how how is this team going to play which is also a nightmare for you know opposition teams as well as podcasters um but you know the the opposition teams is more important than us it's a, it's a nightmare for everybody uh which is cool <laughs> um I guess a quick uh, aside here to touch on Ji Yeon, who was uh, again I think had a, a great game yesterday amongst uh, you know, the mix. Uh, Abdullah, what are your thoughts on, on her performance paired with Ingle, which I think the only time we've seen that was maybe the first game of the season? Yeah, I believe that is correct. And I think we obviously saw what happened in that first game. But I and, and, and I know we, we all had things to say about that pairing in the first game and how everything kind of plan, panned out. Uh, but I think for a game like this, she is, is perfect. I think she is the best option um, just because of how creative she is and she has the freedom to almost kind of play like this roaming playmaker role without having to worry too much because the teams are just going to sit back and you need someone who can 
you know, obviously we didn't see it so much in this game, but generally speaking, it, but there were moments in this game where she was able to take the ball, spray it out, and then just, you know, quicken the play, find passes that maybe other players can't find, and really be able to see the game in front of her and be able to kind of choose her best option. And just because of how creative and how intelligent she is on the ball, when you give someone space like that, nine times out of ten they're going to find a, a pass they're going to find um a, a way forward so i think i think i think this this deep lying role suited her and then like you know like, like i had mentioned earlier when you had the fleming and ingle kind of playing really far forward at times again it was just all about space creation i think you know at the end of the day and allowing g to find those pockets of space players moving around okay can i pick a pass here can i pick a pass there you know potentially with with for example a girl right and playing and in a and an inform Neve Charles on the other side, those wide passes, whenever they did go they did go wide, maybe that could have something could have come of that, maybe as like the second or third assist. Um but yeah, no. Uh, overall I, I enjoyed her game and I felt like she had she had a decent game, all things considered. Just um, you know, I think that the players in front of her weren't as quick and weren't as, as fast as, as as she was. final word on the midfield, Sophie. you look at all the talent that's there. And, you know, I think we're kind of getting to something here, which is maybe against teams that are, are more aggressive uh, in attack. You know, you, you might have one midfield rotation at Chelsea and then against teams who sit back and try and make things difficult defensively. Chelsea might opt for a little bit more of a creative flair uh, with G. Are, are you starting to see Emma Hayes adopt that or is this something that is still we're, we're just trying to figure it out at this point in the season? I think it, it's still a work in, prog- in progress. Um you know, and, and you, sort of, you start factoring in the fact you're going to have start fitting in players like like uh, Lauren James at some point as well. It's it's all. I think there's a degree of trial and error, and as Jesse says, you know, you, if you can do this in games where you think you're going to get three points regardless of who you play, so you can actually have those real game situations where you can test out things that maybe you're doing on the training pitch, but you need real game experiences and situations yeah it's um but yeah you've got to keep kind of finessing it because i i, I don't think Hayes is there yet but she'll, she'll have quite a few options when, when she works it out all right well we're going to begin to wrap this one uh because uh, we spent an inordinate amount of time talking about a game that had very little uh in it so we're going to uh get to our standout performers uh and on the twitter poll jesse fleming wins going away with 40 uh, 5.46% of the vote. G is next at around 33% of the vote. Cuthbert and Magda Erickson come in uh, third and fourth, respectively. Uh, so I'm going to pass around the horn here. Who is your player of the match, Abdullah? A G for the, for the reasons I just mentioned, and I won't repeat because it'll basically be me saying the same thing again. Jesse? Um, yeah, I'll give it to Jesse Fleming just because I thought she took the finish really well and I thought she felt like the most buzzy and active player going forward. But I will just give an honourable mention to Magda because I thought she had her best game um, of the season, attacking-wise at least, um, and getting involved going forward. And it was just nice to see that kind of like portion of her game come back. Yeah, I'll go G as well uh, for all the reasons that Abdullah stated, and I will not repeat. Uh, Sophie, what about you? Um, For all the stated reasons, and (laughs) I really liked her shot um, 10 minutes before the break. Um, It's a shame it wasn't a goal because it was was very well well taken. Yeah, I'd like to to see her take a pop a little bit more often. Uh, We know know she has it in, uh, in her bag. So, uh, look, a a quick review of where the table is right now. Um, We're... 
we're just 10 minutes into the to the Arsenal West Ham game. So uh, as it stands now, Arsenal uh, top of the table with uh, the goal diff that Jesse mentioned earlier. Uh, likely that they will uh, finish the finish the day on top. Um, Chelsea obviously in second uh, with a plus 13 goal differential on 15 points. Uh, Spurs still up there somehow, uh, cranking on a plus four goal differential. Uh, Brighton Hove Albion on a plus six uh, in fourth. Man United kind of having a slow start to the season in fifth place on 11 points. Uh, West Ham, who is playing Arsenal right now, uh, go West Ham, uh, on, uh, on, in sixth place on eight points. And then City, Villa, Reading, Everton, Birmingham City, Leicester City kind of round out the rest of it. Um, but yeah, this is the table as it stands. And then clearly... Uh, we, we have to look forward because uh, there are a slew of matches happening in very short succession here. Uh, we play Servette on Tuesday um, uh, away, and then we're back uh, back to Man City uh, in very quick succession uh, next weekend on Sunday. We have a Servette home game uh, the following Friday, which is just odd for Champions League timing. I find that to be strange. Um and then we're we're back on uh, at home on Sunday the twenty first of November before the international break. I mean, so so this is a uh, this is just a a kind of mixed schedule, kind of different levels of opposition in there. But clearly, Chelsea will be looking at that Man City game, uh, right? Jesse is is one for the for the table. Yeah, definitely. That's the kind of standout one in this run of fixtures, um, which I think will be a really you know, interesting one. City finally managed to win today against the team who have lost all their games, but um, well done to Manchester City. Um, so, you know, I feel like we can go into that one quite confident, but I'm sure Hayes will still be aware that those games, you know, it was almost unnaturally calm in the FA Cup semi-final. It almost makes me more nervous, you know? Well, yeah, if you're if you're looking for a reason to get nervous, there's that. I'll also call out that, you know, Chelsea do need to take... Uh, all points against Servette in the Champions League. Uh, this is, you know, kind of understanding we'll, we'll, where Wolfsburg are and how they performed against Servette to this point. This is a uh, a massive opportunity for Chelsea to kind of cement themselves in the in the group. And so let's hope they go out on Tuesday and, and handle the business just as well as they as we expect them to. Um, anything else? Any closing notes uh, from from you, Jesse? Um, my closing notes will be that everyone should buy FA Cup tickets if they're in England or even if they're not, because I'm really nervous about that game too, mainly because it's after the international break and it's annoying because yeah. I think we saw in the City game last week how stodgy everyone looked for the first 15 minutes and it makes me stressed that we're going to have to do that against Arsenal. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm, I hope the Servette games just go smoothly. I'm going to mentally believe that they're just going to go smoothly <laughs> power of positive thinking from jesse there abdullah what are your thoughts yeah in- interesting run of games and um obviously most looking forward to the man city game but i think i think the, the servette games should be uh you know i think i think that they're they're weirdly the quote-unquote easiest but probably the most important double header that we're going to face just because it's it's six points staring at you in the face almost just the way the Wolfsburg have played so you know uh, you don't want to be going into that Juve game in in, in match day five and, and having to take three points under pressure you know you want to go and have six points under your belt and go in and kind of play a natural game and, and, and go in there um, so yeah I'm looking forward to the Champions League games and obviously the Man City and, and Arsenal game 
And then uh, we'll close that with you, Sophie. Thank you for joining the show, your first cap. Um, any final thoughts for, you know, because I know you cover the world of football. Uh, any final thoughts for Chelsea fans to look out for over the next month? Um, I, I think they'll be quite happy uh, by the end of the month with, with the run of games Chelsea have because there are exploitable defences they'll be coming up against who probably won't be as, as proficient in their low block as Villa were. Um, so probably going to see quite a lot of goals, quite a lot of different goal scorers. Um, awesome. Okay. Well, uh, look, we're going to close this one out. We will obviously be back uh, next week to, to talk all things City. Um, and, and Jesse's going to be on a uh, well-deserved vacation. So we're going to bring in a special guest for next week to, to try and fill that gap. Uh, but until next, to, until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. Thank you.